Hey, welcome to Multiply Your Money. This is episode 119. And I've been talking about um, self-control and impulse control, delayed gratification. And um, this is something that has been researched thoroughly since easily the 1960s, okay? And I, if you've been listening to some of the episodes, then you know I've been talking about uh, Walter Mischel, who did the original, um, the original experiments, or the original research, if you like, on preschoolers, and where he gave the preschoolers a temptation where they could have uh, a, a, a reward Sometimes it was a marshmallow, sometimes it was jelly beans, sometimes it was toys, whatever. But it was a reward that they chose. And they could have one of those things straight away, or if they waited, they could have two or three of those things if they waited. And uh, Walter Mitchell wasn't testing how long they would wait. That wasn't the point. He wasn't really interested in, well, you know, how long can they wait. What he was interested in was how were they able to wait how are they able to, how are small children, you know, uh, four and five-year-olds, able to to delay their ability to have what they want? And to a small child, that's really, really hard. You know, it's a big thing to put a temptation in, in front of a child and say, uh, you know, you can have one lolly now, but if you wait, you can have two lollies. You know, because... Um, Walter Mitchell found that um, children under four, like three-year-olds, couldn't get this concept of, this temporal concept of, you know, now and later. They couldn't get that. But he said it's fully formed. It's it's starting to fully form by the ages of about four and five. Okay. Can we wait? Um, can we wait, you know, a few minutes, 20 minutes, 10 minutes? He was certainly interested in, okay, how long does it take before a, a child goes, no, I just, I give in to the temptation. But he was more interested in what did they do to stop themselves from giving in to the temptation. And this is a really, really useful piece of research. And um, uh, since the, uh, the advent of fMRI scanners, you know, brain scanners, right, where we can actually see what parts of the brain get activated, um, we now know what parts of the brain regulate your behaviour. Right. Well, Walter Mischel, um, over many years, he described um, the strategies for resisting temptation as hot and cold strategies, right? So, um, uh, or hot and cold thinking. So hot thinking is I must have it now, and so hot thinking is I've got to have it now. I'm seeing myself eating this marshmallow. It's going to be yummy. It's going to be this. It's going to be that. Um, it's going to be tasty, I've got to have it now, I just need it, it'd be really, well, you're really focusing on the reward, you're focusing on the thing you want. Now, you know, Walter Mitchell said, it doesn't matter whether it's alcohol or cigarettes or chocolate or something you want to buy at a shop, right? It doesn't matter what it is, whatever the temptation is, the thing that you must have, right? He would listen to children talking about how they would say to themselves, their little self-talk going on about, I've got to have it, I've got to have it, you know, I want it now, you know, it's hot thinking, right? 
And the kids that were able to distract themselves or the kids who were able to resist the temptation were able to use what we he calls cold, cool thinking or cold thinking. And that cold thinking basically enabled them to... Um, to cool down the temptation. And they did it in a variety of ways. One of them was that they just turned away and didn't look at it. They out of sight, out of mind. Or they would say things like, uh, no, no, I can't have it now. I must wait because I want more. So they would try and figure it out. They would distract themselves in one, one shape or form of another. Or they would sing songs to themselves. Or they would put their head on the desk and not look down. Or they would look away, whatever it was. Okay. Um, you know, Michel was sort of trying to answer the question, why do smart people act so stupidly, right? And how do they manage to unravel their lives that are so diligently constructed? You know, what trips them up, right? And to understand that, he had to look closely at what people really do, not just what they say, and he had to look across different situations and over time. And he found there was a consistent uh, consistency in the expression of traits like conscientiousness, honesty, aggression, sociability, things like that, contextualised to different situations. And that was the important point, contextualised to different situations. Right. So, um, so there he was. He was looking at how people are in different situations and what he found that works particularly if you're trying to um, if you're trying to resist temptation right it's he taught them uh, how to what are people doing where they resist temptation and he found with small children they would do these little if then contingencies if I look away then I won't look at the thing I want if I just wait then I will get what I want then I will get more than what I want you know so that's what Michel was teaching people particularly, and he was talking at people who were dealing with serious cravings, for example, this if-then contingency. Um, rather than, you know, I've got to have it right now, I've got to have it. So he, he would actually teach them a thinking style whereby if they really, really wanted something, uh, that was hot thinking. And you need to bring in some cool thinking like, you know, it'd be really nice to have a cup of coffee from Starbucks. Um but you know what? If I buy that Starbucks now, then uh, I'm not saving any money or I'm wasting money on something that's quite meaningless. And, you know, if I want a coffee, then I can go home and make one. Or if I really want a coffee, then I can uh, go back to the office and make one. Things like that. Very simple if-then contingencies. Okay. Now, why do I even waste my time telling you this sort of stuff? Because it's it seems fairly obvious and fairly basic, but... The problem is, is that I deal with, on the weekend even, I was talking to someone who, um, very, very clever business person, very savvy, very, very smart, um, who just has no savings whatsoever, has nothing behind her. Um, uh, you know, like uh, no, uh, no buffer, no cash reserves, no savings, working very, very hard, but spending right up to the limit in the business, okay? Um, and just has to have everything now. You know, uh, let's race ahead and do stuff instead of if I think about it, then I may want to slow the game down, right? But none of these contingencies in place. So I was talking 
to her and her business partner about if-then contingencies, about the difference between hot thinking and cool thinking. Cool thinking is designed to slow you down. Um, technically, if you were studying something like NLP, for example, they'd talk about uh, associated, dissociated. Associated is where you're fully hands-on. You're, it's up close. You can see it. You can smell it. You want it. You've, you've got the craving for it. And dissociated is where you step right back um, and you see that thing from a distance. You put some distance between you and the thing that you want. And it's usually we're talking psychological distance. We're putting some distance. Um, if you look at a movie, um, associated is where you see what the actor sees with their hands. You see them up really, really close, you know. It's very close. You see the person they're about to kiss or the person they're about to punch. It's just, Or the, the, the thing they're about to reach for. That's associated. Dissociated is where you see the actor in a scene, but it's at some distance. And that's an NLP. So we know that with drug rehabilitation, for example, uh, if we can um, usually uh, a drug addict is very associated to the thing they want. And by teaching them strategies to dissociate where they they come zoom out like a camera thing and they see themselves in the picture, um, their whole body in the picture, totally dissociated in that sort of way. Um, then that enables them to overcome their cravings. It's a little, uh, it's a, it's a clinical thing, and I won't explain it any more than that. But it's, but this is what Michel was trying to teach small children, and as it turned out, when he was working with professionals who had cravings, he was teaching exactly the same tools. This ability to uh, hot thinking is where it's up close and personal. I've got to have it. I smell it. I taste it. I just want it. And uh, cool thinking, which is you put some distance between you and the thing that you want. And it takes practice. That's what he said. It takes a lot of practice to get it right, but you get it. Um, have a listen to this recording a couple of times because there's a lot in it. But uh, I'm really, really trying to get you to use these tools that I've been talking about. Um, but I really love Michel's work because it's when it comes to money, some people just cannot resist temptation on even the smallest things like... Let's get a coffee and a muffin. Let's not. Let's do lunch. Let's not do lunch. Right? It's where you're exercising some control here. Talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.